That little rumble out of the way. My presence does that sometimes, I guess. Rumble in the, in the sound system. Actually, I say that jokingly, but it happens often with me. I think I'm made of static electricity sometimes. Um, we're going to be in Luke and uh, chapter 20. And so at the very end of it, if you turn to Luke chapter 21, uh, you'll be right about the right spot. Uh, before I go into the uh, reading the scripture and uh, the message for today, I uh, just want to say uh, this week we had that uh, uh, the Supreme Court handed down that uh, real important verdict with Roe versus Wade, and, uh, and that's it's a good, good thing. Uh, it takes and puts back to the states to let the states make decision, but I'm just going to let you know that st- all the states have ab- abortion uh, laws, and they have them on, on different levels. Some are uh, very strict and some are very loose. Uh, in, in the laws that they, that they have, that the court, Supreme Court uh, placed, it said you can go anywhere in the country and still have an abortion. So if it's a place that allows abortions all the way up to uh, close to, to the birth of a child, those can still happen. So prayers are still needed and, and to pay attention and voting and all those things are still good. So pay attention to that. Of course, we as a church, uh, we believe uh, in, in life. The, the scripture tells us that uh, we're to protect widows and orphans. And there's probably uh, not a better way of saying an orphan is a child who has not been born yet that nobody wants. A mom or dad doesn't want that child. Uh, it would be born a, an orphan. Uh, and uh, that has no voice. That child has no voice. Uh, widows and orphans at least have a voice. And we're to speak up for them and the elderly and, and those uh, that have different medical issues. Uh, Those are people that we as a church uh, should take up the cause for and speak for uh, and help. Uh, But I've never heard an unborn speak. And so we're the only voices that the unborn has. And so uh, I I know it's it's difficult. I believe in our bodies and that we have free choice with our bodies. But when you put a body in a body, that changes things, right? And I believe that body in a body has a right to those same choices that, that uh, we get to experience. So anyway, keep those in your prayer. It's, it's nothing that is complete or finished. It's not as bad as some other people on the other side might say that all these rights are taken away. No, it's not. It just gives the states the, uh, the rights to make those decisions. Uh, and, uh, and so many decisions will still be made. We're in the book of Luke, and we're uh, going to be starting the end of verse 20. And, uh, of course, we've been... I think you knew we were going to be in Luke if you've been here any length of time. And as uh, Travis was traveling away, he said, uh, would you please continue on for me? And I said, I'll be glad to do that. And so we're going to look at things that are not what they seem. We're going to look at uh, these two portions of Scripture, uh, and they're kind of the opposite of, from each other. But b- before we get into that, let's just give a little setup. Let's just go back a little bit, because the... What leads up to the day is important. Travis has done that on some of the other ones. Of course, 
Uh, this is kind of the end of Jesus' time here on earth. So he had the triumphal entry. Uh, he also uh, uh, came and he cleansed out the temple. And those happened back in, in chapter uh, 19. And we get in chapter 20, and it starts out one day, and then it goes through all these other things that Travis has been preaching on the last few weeks. One day. And, and there's some debate whether all these things happened on one day, or if you can get part way through and say, well, that probably happened on one day, and maybe this day happened the next. But those things that happened in chapter 20 on that one day, so to speak, we had the chief priests, scribes, and elders uh, where... Uh, they came up to Jesus while he was preaching and says, by whose authority do you do these things? And Jesus says, well, let me ask you a question. By whose authority did John the Baptist uh, preach and baptize in? And, of course, they didn't want to answer that question, uh, so uh, they didn't. But that happened in chapter 20. Uh, we also have here where uh, Jesus tells the parable, parable of the wicked tenants, uh, and in it the, the scribes, Pharisees, thought, I think he's talking about us. And he was. Uh, and they became very, very angry. And it said they wanted to kill Jesus. And, uh, but they felt like they couldn't because of the, the crowds. And they thought that the crowds would get mad at them. Uh, so they actually uh, worked on spies. They got spies and put them among the group. And these spies were kind of spying for the government, so to speak. And they're hoping maybe they could catch Jesus on something that he was saying or doing against the Romans. That's the, the uh, story that most of us all know where they come up and go, do we pay our taxes? And Jesus said, well, show me a coin. And he got it and said, you know, whose picture's on it? And they said Caesar's. And he said, you know, give to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar's and things that belong to God, give to God. And so all those are happening in, in chapter 20. Those things could be on another day, okay, uh, that's a lot of events that could happen in one day, so it's either way. But we know for sure that last week when Pre Travis preached, and what I talk about today, that these things happened on the same day. We had that the Sadducees had come up, they'd ask this question. They go, oh, we're looking at Moses' law, and, and we have a question for you. Uh, there's this, uh, for instance, this lady, she's been uh, married, and her husband dies, but she needs to have children in order for the land to be passed to them. So Moses' law says she marries uh, the next uh, son uh, and uh, to give children, and they don't have children. And she does this seven times, and, and she still has no children. Who is she going to belong to in heaven? And, you know, Jesus kind of said, well, you know, you, you just kind of don't know what question you're asking because you don't understand the scripture. Uh, and he explained that. He ended up asking another question that Travis talked about last week, uh, talking about his divinity. Of course, they didn't answer. So we have all these going. These things are probably happening on the same day when this happens. And, and I want to give you a setup here. They're sitting in a temple. Temple's a busy place. There's people moving about. Things are going on. A big group is sitting and listening to Jesus. So around the fringes, you probably have people that are coming and going, people who are just, just walking by uh, to maybe uh, pay their tithes or whatever it may be. You have the disciples. I imagine the disciples are sitting over here to one side. They could be sitting down in the front row, but maybe sitting to one side. And you have these uh, scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees that we're dealing with. It was the Sadducees that came up and asked a question. Remember the difference, uh, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees. Uh, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. The Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrection. Uh, in, in their beliefs and scriptures, the Pharisees were probably more conservative. The, the Sadducees were probably more liberal in their beliefs. They didn't get along generally 
except for this cause here with Jesus, okay? And we find some others. We have chief priests, we have elders, and we also are going to bring in today, we're going to bring in the scribes. So we have all these leaders, and, and they probably, we'll just say they come in this stage Right, left, well, anyway, uh, and they come in and they ask their questions and then uh, Jesus answers and they're going. So they're here, they're there, they're in the crowd, there's, pe- there's spies in the crowd, there's all kinds of ears all over the place. Because the scripture here, it talks, and I'm just going to read the end of, of 20 and then we'll deal with that scripture and then we'll jump into 21. Uh, it starts in uh, verse 45, it says, In the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor or at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. So here we have that Jesus is, is speaking, okay, that we have, we have the scribes and Sadducees exiting over here. Scripture says he turns to his disciples, but he doesn't talk to them like this. He says, so everybody can hear. You can actually find uh, this story in the book of Mark and also in the book of, of Matthew. And uh, in the book of Mark, it just says he, he, he uh, addressed his disciples. But here it says he, he turned uh, and in the hearing of, uh, he turned to his disciples and said, in hearing all the people. And this is what he goes in and he says. And he starts to talk about Specifically, the scribe. Now, let me just describe a scribe. Describe a scribe. Hmm. Uh, a, a scribe, uh, you'll find them throughout the Bible. And scribes, uh, they wrote laws and they interpreted laws for kings and other important people. They're all through the Bible. They were all of this, not just a, a biblical Bible thing. The scribes were in all different kinds of cultures. Okay? In the setting here, the scribes that we have. These scribes are more specific for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay, They looked at Scripture and studied Scripture and helped interpret Scripture for them. Uh, they helped settle uh, disputes. You might kind of say that they are the lawyers. Okay, they're, they're the lawyers for the scribes and for the Pharisees. So this is who Jesus addresses here. They, they were with the Sadducees, uh, but Jesus is directing the scripture toward him. So in the hearing of all the people, he starts out and he says that beware of the scribes. And he goes on and he says, who like to walk around in long robes. Now, we're going to look at two different doctrines. We're going to have the character of false doctrine and the character of true doctrine. And so with the scribes, we're going to show the doctrine or the ways not to go, not to fall. Follow, okay, uh, for your devotion. So it says here that these scribes who like to walk around in long robes, the first thing in false devotion is that it emphasizes outward appearance. Now, when you want to earn somebody's respect or you want to earn somebody's, uh, maybe their friendship or their knowledge, you tend to dress for it. We all do. Okay, For, for instance... Okay, there's nothing wrong with this, but we'll put it on our favorite sports attire. When I go to a race, if you were to find me over at the Bristol race, you will see me wearing my favorite driver's attire. Okay, that, that, nothing wrong with that. We, we do that. We, we dress for weddings. We dress for funerals. There's a lot of things that we, we dress for. But in this case, they are dressing to get religious credit. Okay, they, 
religion was big at this time. Okay, so to be part of the religious system, there was a status to that. And so they wanted people to know as they were coming or as they were going, they were part of that establishment. So they dressed that way. And, And we have that. In our society, too. I mean, we, we will put religious symbols on. We wear crosses. And, and, and it's, it's interesting to see society does that, too. I've seen people who have crosses on, and by their words and by their actions, I'll go, why do you have a cross on? Uh, nothing you say has, has, is going with my faith uh, here. Uh, but, again, they're, they're trying to emphasize or, or appear into the religious sect. Music artists will do that all the time. Listen to their lyrics and you go, what? You're, you're religious? But they'll wear it, and that's kind of a draw. So Christians will go, oh, they, you know, I can listen to them. They must be Christian. They wear a cross. I've heard that argument before. You know, Dad, they wear a cross. They must be Christian. Um, and so it happens all around. Uh, but... The emphasis is on appearance, okay? For Christians, our emphasis isn't on how we dress, although the Scripture tells us dress with modesty, not how we dress, but who we are. To be Christian and not look Christian. The second in the characters of false doctrine is that it delights in others' opinions. Verse 46, it goes on and says, and love greetings in the marketplaces. So the scribes and the, the Pharisees, they love to have the greetings in the marketplace as they, they came in. Um, it was a custom at this time for people to stand up when, when the scribes came in. The scribes, were in t- they were studying the Torah. And so there was great respect for the Scripture. And so out of respect for the Scripture, when these guys came in, they go, oh, they're the guys who interpret. And so people would stand in reverence for them. And so, uh, Jesus is saying this here, uh, that they love the greetings in the marketplace. And, I mean, you know, who doesn't like to have greetings where you go? I mean, I like to have greetings, and I don't know about the the standing if, you know, oh, Danny studies the scripture, let's stand when he comes in. You know, I I don't know about that. I'm never much for standing in my presence. I'm short when you stand. I'm a lot, you know, I I feel tall until you stand. You know what I mean? Uh, So, anyway, uh, so they... But they stood, and that was part of it. And because of that, they earned, uh, you know, they at least felt that they had some respect. But, you know, when that happens to you, when you delight in others' opinions, it it can change you. I've been been on Facebook, and, and, uh, you know, when you click on something, you get multiple uh, things that come up in it. You know, I I looked for an air cushion for a seat once. Still get those that pop up. You know, hey, are you looking for these? No, no, I already bought one. Anyway, uh, so... uh, you know, Memorial Day, I like to read history stuff about uh, different things that happened in the war. And, of course, they had the D-Day and all like that. Well, Al the Blue Elvis Presley appeared. And I started reading some of the different articles and different people he'd come across and all like that. And I'm not a big Elvis Presley fan. But it's interesting in, in a figure in, in our history. Uh, and I just started thinking how hard it would be to be someone like that. That famous, that... You can't go anywhere without people already, uh, you know, having an opinion about you and forming you into somebody that's different because of, the, you know, the expectations of, of who you are that just changes everything maybe ab- about you. And, you know, the same way in a religious realm, 
there's an expectation that we have to what looks religious, what a religious person looks like. And we speak to that, and then we sometimes live to that. And we feel like there's this expectation that we have to live up to, yet we're all fallen humans. We all sin. We all make mistakes. And, uh, but, but then again, the Christian isn't supposed to show that. So there is this, uh, for the false uh, teaching, there's this delight in other people's opinions. And, you know, and it's, it's more important uh, what God thinks of us than what other people think of us. You know, it, it's, it's more important for us to, uh, you know, not to look like we care for people, but generally to care for people. And the religious leaders in Jesus' day, they were all wrapped up in, in the opinions of others. And, and the question here really is, is, is to look at ourselves and say, are we? Now, the, the third thing that's a character of false uh, devotion is that it desires preeminence and prominence. So in verse 46 it says uh, that the scribes, uh, they, they look for the best seats in the synagogue and the places of honor and, and feasts. Uh, and, you know, if you are listening to people's opinions, there comes a time where we come to believe it. And, uh, and when you believe it, then a lot of times there comes an expectation. I mean, the scripture talks about it. It says that, like, when you go into a place to eat, I mean, there's a scripture that says, don't go and sit in the important seat. Okay, because the host might come and go, mm, you're not supposed to sit there. You know, that's for great-grandma fertile. You know, uh, you're to sit over here. Uh, it's, it's take the least seat, you know, and then if you need to be moved, they'll go, oh, 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 why are you sitting way down here? No, 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 you're, you need to sit up near the head of the table near me. The scripture tells us to, to be humble and to take the humble approach and that then if we need to be lifted up, if we need to move up the do so. But these guys, they, they were in a place that they were looking for the good seats at church, uh, at the feast. They came to expect those things. And listen, when, when you follow the false devotion, there are rewards for that. You can, you can act yourself important enough to have people treat you as important. And, and so th- there's, that is a reward. I mean, you can go in and, and be rewarded just because you have played the religious game for a while. I mean, there, there's certain places that uh, as a, a youth minister, if I, well, for instance, when I go to hospitals, okay, and I get in, sometimes they go, I'm sorry, you can't go. And I go, well, I'm a pastor. And they go, oh, okay. And so I get in and I visit, the, you know, I play my pastor card. And I don't say of children. Uh, but anyway, I, you know, I use the pastor card. And so that gives me, you know, and so I have a little cloud on that. I used to have a little parking place for John Cindy Maid. I could put it in, in park in the clergy place, okay? All of them with their pastors with their nice Cadillacs and nice pastry-looking cars in my little truck, you know? And so, anyway, uh, so there is kind of a reward for that. Um, I do remember, there was a guy that, that was a camp director for Tapawingo uh, many years ago, and he drove it to visit my grandma and grandpa. They were involved with, with children's Bible missions. And he came in and he had a, a BMW. I like to call it a Mercedes. He's a missionary with a Mercedes, but because that can't sound kind of cool. But it was a missionary with a BMW. And we're like, whoa. And he goes, oh, I'm going to have to get rid of these things. He says, somebody gave me this car. You know, they said, oh, I have a car. I don't need it. You're in the ministry. 
I'm going to give you a BMW. And he says, it's just not very helpful when you ride up to a church and go, I'm a missionary and I need money. <laughs> and they go, yeah, sure you do. Uh, and so, uh, but, but there are those who re- look for the status that comes along with religion. And so, and it also goes on here and it says um, that in verse 47, that describes who devour widows' houses. Now you're going, what are these? Gingerbread houses? What do they eat here? Uh, these are the ones who hide sins. And this is real important. They hide the, their sin behind religious activity. Ooh, that sounds a lot like what happens in church today. Okay? Uh, they devour widows' houses, and it goes on and says, and for pretense they make long prayers. So in other words, there's one side of them that says, you know, I am looking out for myself. And there's another side of them that goes, oh, but I'm such a godly person. I'm going to pray and do all these things. Now, listen, the, 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 the scribe uh, in here, remember I told you, they were kind of the lawyers of the church. One of the jobs they had as a lawyer of a church, so to speak, is they helped represent the widows. Okay? It is a male-dominated society, so the males made decisions with their households, with each other. Uh, when a, a, a son got old enough, uh, he might do the dealings if his father had passed away. But when there was nobody there, the scribes were the ones who helped. Jesus is getting after the scribes because some are using their position to take advantage of widows. And if you can imagine how any man in some position over Women today might take advantage of it financially, uh, you know, all different, whatever ways. I'm sure that was happening then too. And so Jesus says, you know, like, who are you that you take advantage of these, these widows? And yet, when you get out in public, you pray in front of everybody. It's this, this status that we have in, in the church a lot of time of, of how much holier we are than others. Or in, even to an extent that, you know, hey, I've got this going good I've got the, the, the facade of religion so well, I can actually be a little bad. You know, if rumor gets out, I'd be a little bad. They go, oh, no, no that, can't, that can't be George. He's such a godly man. He's in church every week, and he wears the robes with the long tassels. You know, and they would go, oh, it can't be, it can't be. Uh, and so they would use that to get away from it. Now, all this false devotion is condemned. And it says in verse 47, they will receive the greater condemnation. And when you read that, and it kind of ends there. Okay, these people, they are not, they're looking religious and they're acting religious and they're not religious really deep down inside. They're going to get a greater condemnation. You go, oh, okay. So slap on the hand, you were bad, don't do those things. Ah, this is also found in the book of Matthew. Jesus speaks a little more on it, okay? Luke didn't record everything he said on this subject. I think, I think Matthew recorded it all. I'm not going to read all that. You can go to Matthew chapter 23 and read it all. He, Jesus just does not hold back. But let's go here. You, you'll see, you'll hear the scripture. You'll hear the same portion of scripture uh, that we just read. Uh, and then I, I will, will, it comments a little bit more about, uh, you know, that uh, the, the greater condemnation. So it goes like this. It says in, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples. So here's a setting. To the crowds, to his disciples. The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you. Okay? They're your religious leaders. Follow them. But not the works they do. 
For they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their fingers. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their uh, phylacteries uh, broad. That's a, a box that they wore on their shoes or had, had scripture in it. It made you look good. Uh, and their fringes long. They love the places of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. So, so there's the same portion of scripture recorded by uh, somebody else that was there. And then it goes on and says this. In verse 13 it says, But woe to Okay? I'm back. Here's the situation. The situation is these people are not on the road to heaven. Okay? It's, it's telling me, you shut the kingdom of heaven of, in people's faces. The way you're living in the things you're saying, people are following you, but you're not leading the way to heaven. In fact, that's not where you're going. That's what he said here. So when you go back and you look at the scripture and it says they will receive the greater condemnation. The greater condemnation is separation from God. It's, it's, it's a being deprived of eternity in heaven. And so that little phrase you see there has big, big meaning to it. Because you, you see, Jesus... In, in about a week's time, he's going to die on the cross for sinners. And he's dying on the cross for the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the other religious leaders. He's dying for them too. He wants them to be in heaven, but he's telling them, the practices that you're doing, you're not going. Everything looks like you're heading in the right, right direction, but you're heading in the wrong direction and you're leading people with you. And that's one of the, the, the greatest things I think that we in the church need to be careful for. Is that, uh, is that we know in our hearts that we are going to heaven. That we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That we don't allow going to church and dressing right and saying right and doing all those things. Make us think that we're on our way to heaven because everybody else around us do it. And there's, there's good godly people who do that. And we go, you know, to an extent, I can do those things too. But those are not the things uh, that will find you salvation. So we have here the character of, of false devotion. Let's look here at the character of true devotion. And it's told in the story of this widow. So it goes in the book here of, of Luke 21 and 1 and 2 here. It says, Jesus looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts in the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. He said, truly, I tell you, this, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contribute out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So here we have, and actually in the book of Mark, it, it paints the picture just a tiny bit different. It actually says Jesus sat down in a place so he could look across and he could watch people dropping money in the money box. Okay, so he sat there and watched. And, and this is just what you notice. Okay, anybody would have noticed this part. You notice a lot of average people there. Okay, and you notice some that are above average. And you notice some that are below average. Okay, and how do you do that? Generally, it's, it's how they dress. Okay, 
uh, the, the, the rich at this time, and probably in our days too, tend to, if you have the money, you wear the, the best brands and the best clothes and do all that. I've been there, done that. You know, get, get the, this brand and you look cooler, so to speak. Anyway, uh, and so, uh, and then, but if you don't, then, then you, you wear what you can afford. And so, uh, well, he's looking, he's watching, and the scripture says that Jesus notices there are rich people coming in and dropping their offering in the box. But he takes note of this one and this one woman who came in, okay, and a, a, a widow woman. I, I, I guess, you know, there's no husband or anything with her. She's there by herself. Uh, and he looks and he watches. Now, there's some characters of true devotion that we can get from this. And the first is that we can learn from this woman, woman is she is unconcerned with her appearance, okay? She was noticed to be a widow, not with a lot of money. She wasn't worried about that. You know, at the temple, uh, you, would, you would find all ranges of it. I'm sure people came in and dressed up for offering day, okay? They said, oh, it's offering day. Let's get our good clothes on and let's go down there. And they would go and they would drop their offerings. This lady is unconcerned with that. Something we can learn from that. Another character of true devotion is that she ne- needed no recognition. And this is interesting. She needed no recognition. Listen, she's probably not known that uh, down at the market by the important people. You know, where she shops and stuff, the religious leaders probably kind of overlooked her. She was probably under the radar. Uh, she, she came to this place just to drop her offering. And she didn't want any recognition, but she, she got some. You know, she got what I'm going to say here is she got the clank, clank, the clank, clank recognition. Clank, clank, what's that? Okay, anyway, I brought me a bucket over here. Okay, here's my bucket. Woo-hoo. And here is what I'm talking about. When I was a little youngster sitting in church here, for a while we had wooden offering plates. And, you know, most people dropped in, you know, checks and dollar bills. But sometimes kids would go in and you hear, okay? It's, it's the clank. It's the clank hitting the bucket. You know, the money dropping in. And so what you have here is you have the rich people in the box, and maybe you have the little clank, clank going on. Oh, they gave a whole bunch. Yeah, they didn't give as much. And so here it is, and they're going through and this lady gets all the way, and this is hers right here. It's, you know, the, the clank clank is a little embarrassing. I've been there, done that. I've been, Becky and I just went to Williamsburg. We went to a, an Episcopalian church. Hey, I could say it last, I could say it last service for whatever reason. Anyway, so we went in old church. George Washington sat there. Becky, who else sat there? Do you remember? I'm not going to put her on the spot. She was naming all these people, and I'm like, you know who they are? Uh, anyway, but it has these places uh, of these names, and so uh, of famous people that sat there. When you went in, there was a guy standing there, and he had uh, basically one job, and it was for me to remove my hat because it's an active church. They actually had a worship service earlier in the day there. And so, but there was this big glass container, and there's a sign that says, to help preserve the church, would you give a dollar? And I'm like, I'll give a dollar. So I opened up my wallet, and I pulled out a dollar. And then when I went to put it in, I looked, and there were no dollars in there. They were all tens and twenties and a hundred. And I went, my dollar looks really small. (laughs) And so that guy's kind of standing there, and I'm kind of, you know, (laughs) drop my one dollar in. Because we're worried about the recognition, okay? And this lady 
was not worried about that, okay? She didn't worry about the clang clang. She came to give all that she had. You know, what's interesting here is she wasn't even looking to be recognized. Not whatsoever. And yet she's talked about and, uh, and, and used as a, as a good example in churches all over the world all the time, okay? She wasn't looking for it. She got it anyway. She probably, if you'd ask her, she'd probably go, please don't recognize me. I was just giving my offering that day. <laughs> and that's all she cared about. But we look at it and go, what a fine example, okay? Character of true devotion. Another character of true devotion is acts to, despite difficulty. This lady would have had difficulties. Being a widow, had lots of reasons maybe not to go there today. One, and she could have woke up in the morning and go, I don't have a thing to wear. I mean, that could have been one thing that kept her from going that day. It did not prevent her from doing that. Uh, she probably had other things that she had to do as a widow uh, to, to make money. She wasn't going to have a steady income. So uh, there are jobs that she might have had to done. We know the story of Ruth and Naomi. And Naomi had Ruth to send out into the fields to glean and get food so they could eat. So she had other reasons not to be there today. But she act despite her difficulty, and that's something we can learn. Another thing is uh, that we uh, can learn that, that she gave all rather than a portion. All rather than a portion. Her clank-clank totaled about $1.50, okay? A little less than 75 cents a clank. Uh, and yet she gave, according to Scripture, somehow Jesus knew this. He must have been God or something, that she gave all that she had. Uh, you know, she was going to go home, Without other financial money, you know, she, she at, you know, at that time, that's what she had, that's what she gave. And there's something that we can learn from that. And, of course, we can learn uh, that uh, this true devotion uh, is that it's commended by God because Jesus here commends it. So we look at this false doctrine of, of devotion and we look at the true one. We just a couple questions to ask quickly. How do we accurately assess ourselves? How do we look at all this? And assess ourselves with it. The first is, it's not what I look like, but what I am. Okay? Not what I look like, but what I am. What are you? Nobody really knows you except for you. Becky thinks she knows me. And she does pretty good. Okay? But she doesn't know me as well as me. And I have come to, to terms... Um, I realized a long time ago, I found out more about myself when I decided not to focus on myself, but to learn about God. I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to just get into devotions. I'm going to focus about God. And then, like, a year or two later, I went, I found out a lot about me by focusing on God. That's, that's where the focus should be. You know, something you can do, a little test that I was told back when I was in college, and it, and it never left me. But in our devotions one time, in our college uh, room, uh, door room, a guy said, what you choose to think about when you can think about anything you want is what you are or what you're becoming. Okay? Our thoughts, where we spend our time, where we dwell, that's telling you something about yourself. It tells me something about myself is where our thoughts are. Uh, the second thing that to access ourselves, it's not what I give but what I keep. Okay? This lady gave all that she had. Now, you know, I'm not saying, hey, you know, you need to pour a lot of money in the offering plate. Nothing like that. But what do we hold back from God? Sometimes we hold back financially, but do we sometimes hold back in the gifts and the abilities that God's given us? That we give a portion of that 
We're not willing to give all of it. You know, he's, he's given us our, our talents, our gifts. He's given those things to him. Are we giving them back to God as we should? A third thing is it's not what I feel, but what is true. You know, the scripture tells us there's a way that seems unright to, to man, but in the end it leads to death. And we see that example here with the scribes and the Sadducees and the Pharisees that it seems right to them. Hey, it's what their parents did and grandparents did as religious leaders. That's what they did. That's what we do. This is what you do to get to heaven. And we see in the scripture they were not going there. Okay? They felt like they were on the right track. They were not. And the last one, it's not what others think, but it's what Jesus knows. Okay? Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. You know, a great example of that is in the Old Testament where uh, God tells Nathan uh, to go out, pick a, a king. Uh, and um, anyway, he, he, he goes and he's uh, looking at the, the sons of Jesse. And the first one comes out and he goes... That's a king. Boy, he looks like a king. You know, people will listen to him when he speak, speaks, and God says, no, no, no. I, I, I reject him. He's not the one. And it goes on to say, God says, that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so it's, it's not what others think. It's what Jesus knows. And so no matter what we even think of ourselves, Jesus knows us better. And so that's why I get back to the first one. When you... Spend your time in the Bible trying to understand God and God's Word. You will find out so much more about yourself and who you really are. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. And Father, we are grateful that we could be here today uh, for the singing and lifting our voices up to you and for the preaching of your Word. I ask that we take to heart the things that the Holy Spirit may have said to each of our hearts as you spoke today. And we ask these things in Jesus' And so... Uh, I will be in the back if anybody has any questions or anything, and uh, love to speak to you. And if not, I'll turn it over here to our music worship group. If you would, please stand.